0: Okay, everybody, welcome to the Baskapedia podcast. Today, I have Keith Parsons from... Where are you at again, Coach? I always forget, you're in... North Carolina, Rockingham, North Carolina. Is that near near, um, Tobacco Road? Not too far. We are
1: about uh, halfway between Charlotte and Wilmington. If you think of a map, you know, Charlotte and Wilmington, North Carolina, being kind of on the southern part of the state, we are about halfway... Uh, between those two and about an hour and a half directly south of Tobacco Road, you know uh, Chapel Hill,
0: Raleigh Durham so uh, so yeah right right in amongst it for sure. Um, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you a little bit Did't discuss this off air with you, but um, just a little bit background of yourself. Um, you're the son of Benny Parsons, NASCAR driver. What was that experience yes. like for you uh, growing up and being able to go on the NASCAR? nascar circuit and grow up in the pits and and watch all that stuff well
1: it was great and one of those things i tell people all the time i can't really compare it to anything you know i didn't know uh what a so-called normal uh childhood would have been like but i really enjoyed that and you know i have a lifetime worth of stories of of being there with my dad and you know most of my stories are really not racing related they're more people related you know just Hanging out and uh, and seeing those uh, the drivers you know the Richard Petty's the Darrell Waltrip's Kelly Arboros, people like that kind of behind the scenes and getting to know them a little bit and uh, so yeah it was I mean it was wonderful you know lots of travel for sure and uh, but uh, but yeah it was great to see you know parts of the country I would not have seen otherwise you know I came to Riverside twice Riverside California not too far from you twice when I was a kid. Uh, so, you know, flying in an airplane across the country as a seven or eight year old is pretty neat. and So, yeah, it was uh, it was a wonderful way to grow up, man. I, I really, really dug it. And, and, you know, seeing my dad go through the ups and downs of his career, I think, helped kind of shape my thoughts on, on things of how I want to be. And certainly with with players
0: and, and students and things like that. So it, it was great. Um, now, You've transitioned to becoming a junior high coach. Um, you've coached the high school level and you've coached the junior high level. Um, yes. What do you feel is the role of a junior high coach?
1: My, I would honestly say similar to high school, obviously high school is probably more concerned with wins and losses for sure, um, particularly the varsity level. I feel like my job is to uh, get our students in there and teach them the basics of how to play basketball, make basketball fun for them, make sure when they leave, when the season's over, they're better than when the season began and let them all uh, experience, you know, having some success in a game. You know, that's one of the beautiful things, which I'm sure we'll get into about the system is, you know, everyone gets the opportunity to play in every game. So, uh, you know, we had a, a neat thing this year. I can't remember if I told you uh, before, but I went to one of our, uh the high school program's practices. They had the JV working out on one end and the varsity on another. And of the, I think, 21 players on the court, uh, nine of them had played at our middle school, Hamlet Middle School, the previous two years with me as coach. Uh, We have four middle schools in our county, in our school system. So the JV team, we had eight, uh, eight players who had been at Hamlet with me. And then they had one player from each of the other uh, middle school. So that was kind of neat. Again, I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's just those players are good. They would have been there. Otherwise, I do feel like, like we're contributing to the to the high school program by having these players ready and, you know, having them interested in basketball, loving basketball and and ready to go when they get to the high school level.
0: Well, let's dive into some system stuff here. Um, All right, When did you start studying it and learn about it?
1: Well, it's neat. I don't know if you had the chance. I wrote an article uh, for this uh, website called uh back in February. I think it came out. I was a sports journalist. That's what I went to school for, to college for, to be a journalist, and stumbled across an article about Grinnell College, this D- Division III school I'd never heard of up in Iowa. And it just, I mean, I-, I can't tell you what it did for me. It just grabbed me. The article literally reached out and grabbed me and said, hey, pay attention to this program, and just started... I uh, was a fan, you know, would follow them online, and then their games started streaming online, so I watched their games. And um, finally, for my 40th birthday, uh, 2009, uh, I had transitioned from journalism into banking. I moved back to my hometown, was working as, as a banker here in town. And uh, my, I asked my wife if I could go to Grinnell uh, for my 40th birthday, and she said, sure. You know, so I went with a buddy, and we went up to Grinnell to watch a couple of games and met with uh, David Arsenault, a guy you know very well, and just he was so great and I mean just everything about it is is how you know I, I see the game of basketball you know fun inclusive uh, then so just kind of started following it then and and kind of talked it up with our local high school coach here and then he asked, came to me and said hey would you would you volunteer and help me if I wanted to put the system in at the high school level and I said absolutely cannot wait and so we did that for two years, kind of the tail end of his career. Uh, he's now uh, retired from public school, still teach uh, coaches at a, at a private school, but had a great time. And we got done with that. I said, man, that's that's not enough for me. It just really got the got me got me the fires burning, so to speak, inside about being able to do this. And so I transitioned then into education, uh, started teaching, and and was fortunate enough to find a job uh, coaching at the middle school level, and have done that for three years now. And Man, it's just it's just the greatest thing. I, I could talk forever about the system. You know that.
0: Um, before we get into technical questions, uh, any advice for coaches that would want to run the system? What what do you what do you suggest for them?
1: You know, it's funny. I always think about this, and I, my first suggestion would probably be, in, and you know, our friend Bob Belf would say the same thing: don't do it. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're if you're really questioning, should I do it or not? You probably shouldn't do it. Uh, it's it's unique um it's it's different it demands a certain uh, mentality that other styles of play do not uh demand and that's from players and from coaches both um i mean my greatest advice would be uh to just follow the uh the plan set out by coach a and all the folks at grinnell and you know others who have done it at the high school level and just commit to it and you know you might not always see the benefit but uh I always have, uh, through my years with it, have seen the benefit uh, through now five years of coaching at the high school and middle school. Uh, win or lose, I mean, it's so hard to, to not appreciate what it does for your, your team, your players, and, and yourself. So my advice would be just follow the plan that's laid out by others and uh, reach out with questions. But, you know, stick with it, keep it simple, and uh, it'll be the, the greatest time of your life.
0: Um, we've talked and we've had lots of people on through the Facebook group and the clinics that I've done. You've been a part of some of them as well. Um, what do you feel is the biggest difference? Because all of that style is is lumped in as a Grinnell system, but right. they they run a different transition break, if you will. What what do you think is, in your opinion, why people choose Grinnell version, which is the staggered screen two-man game off the pick and roll, open up a side of the floor. Primary ball handler, primary shooters, as opposed to all events it, that's more of a like dribble drive motion transition game, if you will. What do you? Well, I think
1: <clears throat> I think a lot of times, you know, Grinnell allows you to do things when you have a, you know, a star player, so to speak, or a player who, or one or two players who are elevated as far as their talent level from maybe the rest of your roster. I think that's what benefits you at Grinnell, and why they do that at Grinnell is, you know, a Division three school, they generally can find one or two players who are, you know, just that notch above everyone else on the roster, so they make those their preferred playmakers, preferred ball handlers, what have you. Uh, I think... You know, listening to Doug Porter and and Lauren and everyone at Olivet, uh, what they like about what they do is it does spread things around. It's more equal opportunity, uh, which seems to work for them. Uh, Their players maybe are a little more uh, equal. And it's it's interesting, you know, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this or not, but gosh, probably five or six years ago, time flies when you're getting old like me. (laughs) Um, Olivet had that All-American point guard and they ran some Grinnell yeah. stuff and very successfully. You know, she was she was that player who was kind of a notch above everyone else on the roster, and she dominated. So I think it proves that both can work. You know, one thing I would always point out to people, and they ask me, you know, which would you do? I mean, to me, the the system, the Grinnell system that, that I know and love is not an X's and O's thing. It's a mentality. It's committing to your five in, five out subbing every – 35, 40, 50 seconds, however long you do it. It's committing to pressing all out, desperation for the ball. It's not It's not really how do you run your offense. It's getting a shot up as quickly as you can. You know, it's, it's all about the mentality. Once you commit to that mentality, you can run. I mean, you could probably run flex if you were committed to running, getting a shot up in 10 to 12 seconds. You could probably run some type of flex action or Princeton or anything. You just have to commit to running for – the full game and again, subbing out and making sure you are uh, playing defense and all out desperation for the ball. And once you do that, I think the rest of it just fills in for itself.
0: Kind of agree with you. Cause I think I've, I've had five out. I've had two sided break. I've had um, Olivet, Grinnell, uh, Matt uh, Pacific's uh, ball screen. Yeah. Uh, that's if there is the only commonality that I see, with all the teams is the way they press pretty much. Yes. That's um, and then half court defense wise, some people are getting more conservative. They're not trapping, trapping, trapping. Uh, I know Lauren mixes it up. Um, She'll, she'll do it. And then other times she'll just kind of get in and match up man to man wise. Um, But all of that, all of that is taking it to another level. That was so fun to watch them. Yes. Um demolish that team in the first round. That was <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um I haven't I don't think I've asked this. I've, I've always asked people on the podcast about what it is for players and how they adjust. What is the hardest part for or difficult things for coaches to overcome? Um, I mean, did you ever coach traditional style with like seven kids and ball reversals? You got to get take the best quality shot. I mean, what was the biggest in your obstacles of of overcoming it as a coach?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, and we kind of went through some this year with our middle school group. You know, we had a very shortened season due to COVID, you know, similar to a lot of schools. It's that mentality of, I mean, you have to play with an all-out desperation for the ball. There's no, you know, no protecting, no guarding, you know, no defending the basket, so to speak. I mean, you, you we want the ball, whether we want to get a steal for sure. Uh, and out of bounds you know a, a dead ball turnover is the next best thing and the third best option is for them to, the other team to take a shot I mean and that's that's hard for most people to get certainly middle school you know players who have you know they're playing travel ball where they're talking about getting stops and keeping the other team from scoring and now I'm telling them hey we want the ball back I don't care if the other team shoots and scores or whatever we, we need to get the ball back in fact this year we uh, took kind of are two two players who i think have done it better than probably anyone i've been a part of coaching whether it's high school or middle school as far as understanding what we want to do just playing with they played these two eighth graders this year played with such all-out desperation it was so beautiful to see Um, and i had them kind of stand up and try to explain it to their teammates okay what are you thinking about when you're out there and i mean only thing they could say is get the ball i mean that's all they're worried about is getting the ball, getting the ball. They're not worried about, you know, gosh, is anyone covering the basket? Is that guy open on the other end of the court? They, they worry about getting the ball. You know, one one kid we played, and, and I don't know how many minutes you would say. I think I told you earlier, off, off air that we played 10-minute running quarters. Uh, before that, we played four six-minute quarters, so about 24 minutes. So somewhere, you know, 24, 28 minutes would probably be our typical game. And one of those kids had – 11 steals in one game and the other one had six in the same game you know they just play so hard and and so all out and they really got it those are the two uh, the two best examples of of players i've been a part of who have gotten it and i think that's the hardest thing for everybody is just understanding that you know you have to go all out and we have to we want the ball back i mean that's that's what we want they don't really have a hard time understanding offense when you say we want you to shoot as quickly as possible. That's fine. They all understand that. But for some reason, that defense of, you know, go find a trap, go get the ball. They, everyone wants to kind of hang back and, and be more uh, passive where we would rather than be aggressive. I think that's the hardest part.
0: I think I think hearing you talk makes me want to think of probably the first ever drill that I should have ever done with these kids was was put like a minute 20 on the clock and put us down by nine and say you need, to, you need to get the ball back and you need to shoot as fast as you can and, and just yeah. and just play it out and then tell them that's how we're going to play for 32 minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I tell <laughs> I try to do that every year. I try to do that every year when I talk, you know, how do we, I describe how we play? Okay, pretend we're down six, eight points with a minute to go. All five of our players on the court have four fouls. Everyone else has fouled out, so we can't foul. So the only way to get the ball back is to steal it or make the other team shoot it. I like that's that. the only way. The only way to do it. And they again, the light bulb kind of goes on at times, but uh, not for everybody. Now I will say, even in our shortened season, you know, we made it to the end. Of the last game, we we had what I would consider probably the best system game we've ever had at the middle school as far as doing just that. I mean, we were aggressive, went after it, uh, did everything we wanted to defensively I could not have asked for it. we gave up you know probably five or six wide open layups you know each quarter but in between of those we were getting steals. we were getting opportunities and uh, it's, it, that's just the hardest thing for people to understand is you know basketball is sometimes so conservative you know they want to uh, guard the basket and, and wait and wait but you know we're don't do that get out get out of somebody's face so.
0: Is there anything that you per se do differently for the system at the junior high level as opposed to at the high school level?
1: Not really. I would say the only, you know, the only thing I feel comfortable doing at the middle school level is experimenting. You know, we had always been offensively, you know, the traditional or say the traditional, what most everyone does now offensively. We had, you know, both, we'd run down and have both corners covered. Somebody in the weak side dunker spot and then, you know, the point guard and a trailer at the top where they could do whatever. This year, uh, I just wanted to see what it looked like. We went truly all five out where uh, I played with two point guards kind of each shift and had them, you know, running at the top. And so we could throw the ball in either right or left, theoretically helping against the, any type of pressure we might face. The trailer at the top of the key it just opened it up for cutting and other things so that's what i love about it is you know we can our games are you know in high school they were very helter skelter because of how we play defense in middle school it's even more i mean it's there are so few opportunities where we face a set defense <laughs> it's either after a uh, even after a made shot we we do a good job of getting involved the, the court fast enough where you know we're not necessarily worried about is everybody in the right spot we're just trying to take it to the basket so uh, I think that's one different thing is that you don't. We probably don't have to execute as much on uh, on offense as you have to at the high school level. But we don't face as many set defenses, and the defenses we face are not uh, as complicated or as advanced as you would see even in high school. You know, it's either your straight two three or um, we did have a boxing one one time this year that you know. But again. After you run up and down the court a few times, that box one becomes kind of, they don't, you know, the other team doesn't really know what they're doing kind of thing. So um, that, that's one difference is, you know, we work on it for sure. And we want our, our players to understand what we want to do on offense. I just think in the games, it, it becomes so helter-skelter that uh, a lot of that goes out the window sometimes.
0: Do your formula goals kind of change? Do you not do half the from threes because of maybe the limit, maybe the younger age doesn't shoot the ball as well?
1: You know, we have never, and I would say this, I hope Coach A is not listening, but we have never really followed any of the system goals. The only goal I've ever paid attention to was shot differential. I think if you can, the greater that number, the better you are, for sure. And that may seem elementary, and I know it does, but to me, and I always tell people, you know, I think when you were talking about what kind of stats do I need to keep, what what do I need to do? The only thing that matters is shot differential. If you're attempting 30 more shots than your opponent in a high school game, you're generally going to win that game, whether you're taking twos or threes or or however it works out. So that's really all I've ever been concerned with is shot differential. And I've always tried to keep that at the, even the middle school level if I have to do it myself, which often I do. I want to keep up with, okay, we got, you know, 20 more shots than our opponent, 25 more. I think in our championship game, we took uh, 19 more shots than uh, the opponent that day. And even though they probably shot a higher percentage, uh, you know, we, I think we took 44 shots and 20, 24 three. So, you know, a little more than half. Uh, and again, I found players these days, or at least the ones that I coach at our middle school, you know, that they're all ready to shoot the three. So it doesn't have to be a focus, and I will, and I will tell you that's another, I think, another difference at the middle school level. Every three pointer we take is is wide open. You know, there's no uh, closeouts. There's very few because the closing out our, our, our players won't shoot it. Our threes are drive and kick. You know, and again, generally wide open. It's so it's so crazy things you just don't find because I think a lot of times the middle school coaches are worried about again being a little more conservative. Hey, it'll make them shoot from outside, make them shoot from outside because they are younger, as you mentioned. And so we pretty much get any three pointer we want. And um, and then again, our drives come off of turnovers and then just transition. So uh, we, don't, we don't take many uh, mid range for sure. It's, uh, it's all driving to the basket or shooting threes. So, uh, but again, I don't focus on the numbers. I don't tell, tell everybody Hey, we want to shoot from half from three. We want to get layups. I'm just all about pace and, again, get, getting that shot differential.
0: Well, we played our first game Saturday. I was going to ask you some technical questions here because okay. I was struggling with this one, and it, it seems like it is it's probably when you shoot, the rule is you send four to the glass is what right. most people say, get eight feet, offensive wedge, uh, get them all in there, crashing but I've noticed when, when you shoot corner threes, it's really tough for that kid to get to the top and get back on defense. So it's led to a lot of two on ones or even two on zero right. uh, layups. Have you made any adjustments for that shot?
1: We haven't, I think it's one of those things. If you're committed to it, you, you live with it, you know um, and again, at the middle school level we don't probably face that type of transition you would get uh, in high school, even we would get here in high school. Um, we, we definitely want the shooter rotating to the top. Um, yeah, I think again, at middle school, generally the ball goes up from wherever it is and uh, whoever gets the rebound is, you know, we're, we're, we're putting our, whoever somebody's there, if we don't get the offensive rebound, we have somebody guarding the ball. And if we do feel as if we do a good enough job guarding the ball, the rebounder can't make that long pass. Now, obviously, if you get a long rebound, we run into that all the time. I think it's just again one of those things you live with. One of those things that's hard to live with for sure. Um, it's just part of the nature of the beast. You know, if you want to play that way, those are those are going to be there, and and it's uh, it's hard to hard to get around them.
0: So, advice for like junior junior high: Would you just stick to one press?
1: Yes, we. I, I, I kind of dabbled this year, and again, we had a shortened season, so I think we had seven days of practice before our first game. Uh, I was dabbling with going with an on and, the on and off press. That's, you know, from the, from the system book. We've always only played the on press, always had somebody on the ball, whether it's a rebound or out of bounds, and we do that, you know, can get that pretty well. For whatever reason, I didn't do a good job teaching it. We just never – could grasp the other, the off press where that, you know, instead of being on the ball where that person needed to be. So I just said, you know what, I'm just going to scrap it. It's the season too short to, to worry about this all the time. I don't, I'm one of those coaches. I don't, I don't like to spend a lot of time on defense at practice. I'd rather work them, uh, teach them, you know, some offensive skills. And uh, so our defensive time is precious. So I want to make sure we're uh, just focusing on one thing, uh, I do feel if I ever got back to the high school level, I would like to try that. You know, I've seen it be successful with other teams who run that off press in high school. I think it could be a good thing, particularly against a dead ball full court situation. I think that would be a, a good way, just a good mix up. Or if you run across a, you know, a point guard who's maybe a division one point guard or, or something such as that, that would be a good way to, to slow that player down for sure. But yeah, we've, Again, I would keep it simple. I would decide what you want to do and just teach that one thing on defense and, you know, and just go from there. What's your ideal roster size? <clears throat> well, it's interesting. We, we've had uh, three different years and three different uh, roster numbers. Um, I went into it thinking we'd, we'd have 15 players. Uh, we kept 15 the first year. I kind of found, again, the first year we played with a normal clock, again, four six-minute quarters, So time really seemed to go fast, and I thought 15 was maybe too many. I went into the second year planning to just keep 12, come to tryouts, and these two players uh, that maybe wouldn't have made it otherwise really stood out to me as as players we wanted to work with. So we ended up keeping 14. This past year, we kept 12. So I I would think for the middle school level, for sure, you got to keep at least 12 because you want to have 10 for every game. Uh, at least 10 that can play every game. High school, I always tell people, you know, 14 is a great number. If you can, if you have that many in that, you know, that covers players who maybe are out sick or, you know, we ran into this at our, when I was in high school here, a player going on a college visit, you know, who was a highly recruited football player, was going on a college visit, missed a game. You're always gonna have, seems like kids miss for one reason or the other. Sometimes there are discipline issues. Uh, so I think 14 is a good number because you really want to let have at least 12 out there for every game at the high school level. We've got by with, you know, I think every game this year we had, we had at least 11. So, uh, so we, we got by with that this year uh, Fine again, middle school. I don't feel even as bad, you know, we never really did this at high school. A lot of time this year I ended up ending every quarter. I would put, uh, put our finishing shift out there for the last minute, minute 20. You know, if we got a, a dead ball or an opportunity to sub under 90 seconds to go in each quarter, I put our finishing group in and finish with that. Like so I never really tried at the high school level. That seemed to go well, and that we always would carry some momentum at the end of the quarter. Uh, and plus, you know, those, those five really enjoy playing together and, and getting it going. So um, I think that's things the middle school kind of allows me to do that you might not could do at high school just from a fatigue
0: factor. And when you had your 15, you did it in just two groups, right? You split them up into two groups? I did it two groups, yeah, and would play, you know, probably
1: the same eight or same, maybe six or seven would play every other shift and everyone else would just fill in. Uh, that's why I think, really think it was too many that first year. I mean, I think everybody, honestly, everybody that was on the team has ended up playing in some fashion at the high school level, I believe. So they were all good players. There were no one I was worried about. Uh, putting out there Uh, and that's another thing you know we talked about roster size and I hear all the time from coaches man I I would do that I just only have seven or eight that I can really trust well I've never I have not seen every team and I have not seen every player based on my experience you'll find that you'll eventually have everybody in your roster you'll you can trust at least for one or two shifts a quarter you know I I really believe that I really believe in the inclusivity and the uh, all-for-one nature of the system. I think that's the greatest part of it—the participation—and I would encourage everyone who's thinking about it to not to not shirk that responsibility. That you know, it might you know you might not think they'll ever get there, but but I really firmly believe everybody will eventually will get there.
0: Um, Practice-wise, for you, um, how many days a week were you able to practice?
1: We practiced uh, five days a week. Uh, generally, would go uh, Monday through Thursday, uh, and then Saturdays. Now, when we had games, we generally played two uh, games two days a week. I left Fridays off. I like to do that in case anyone wanted to go to our high school game here on um, Friday night. I always think that's a good thing. Now we had limited, you know, attendance and things such as that at our high school games. But I just always like to leave Friday night off, and I'd rather come in on a Saturday because a lot of our games are on Monday. So, you know, I, I don't want to uh, have them go all weekend without t- touching the ball. So we'll go on on Saturday. But uh, that's generally what we did, you know, every day um, except Friday and then um, Friday and Sunday and then
0: Saturday mornings and, and then send them on the way and be back at it. How did you construct your practices? Did you do the coach A way? Did you pick a topic, pick, a, pick one emphasis each day or did you hit on, hit on a little bit of everything every day?
1: Uh, Generally a little bit of everything, you know, we spent probably the first, you know, four or five days, I think I mentioned we had seven days of practice for our first game. I think the first four or five days were all offense. We never even talked about our press or anything until maybe two days before the first game. I just really, again, because I'm in middle school and our games get play out a certain way from just the the general frenzy nature of it. um, I felt our defense was probably going to be okay. So I really wanted to uh, go over offense against skill development is very important to me. So I would say every practice, I would always try to come up with some type of new way to play three on three, or we're going to play three on three with, it, with an advantage, three on three straight up. We're going to do four on four with an advantage, you know, some type of drill. Uh, and then we would probably take the last 10 minutes of every practice and we would do a little scrimmaging, essentially just to work on our made and missed shot press, make sure everyone Generally, start with free throws. Uh, that's always a good way to to do it. Everyone can kind of figure out where you need to go uh, on a free throw. We talk about it. You know, if you're, you know, if you're the trailer, which the way we did it this year, I did my press a little bit differently. We had our trailer was going to be our safety in our press. Well, our trailer is one of our taller players, so you would you would think, you know, he would need to be up to rebound on the free throw. But I said, no, I'd rather be ready for defense. So go ahead and get it half court, ready to. Play defense, and we'll put those that are going to be up guarding people up on the free throw lane. So we would do that, maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Just generally go down and back one time. You know, as you know, you don't want to get anyone tired. You don't want them to experience playing tired. Give everyone a chance to rest. Again, just to get an experience of a couple of made miss shot presses, and uh, and that was about it. We tried to keep our practices about an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, You know, I get that probably from Coach A. Um, You know, I I don't think it seems like our players enjoy that. It leaves them wanting more. At the end of practice, they always are asking Coach, can we stay and shoot? Coach, can we stay and do this? You know, and we always allow them to do that. I just uh, too many times I know when I was in high school when we practiced two hours, I was was ready to go. When two hours was up, I was ready to leave, and I went where – you know, our players want to stay, and that's always seemed to have been, been the case so far.
0: With with only like a 12 man roster, how did you do your practice like to practice the system? Did you go like one team was a control team and the other one was running it? And then you would give them a break and then they'd flip it. How how did you because I know if you have it like a JV team, you can All you right. can have your your top 10 play against eight other kids say if you had an 18 man roster that's that's why the rot when people aren't learning this yet that's why the roster sizes of 18 at d3 levels and stuff like that or they even have a jv program at the d3 levels um give them an advantage because they can have their ab group just keep running the system against a control team in practice. How, how do you do it with a right. 12 man roster, 13 man rosters?
1: What we did was anytime we, we would work on some referee handles, some dead ball situations for our offense. And we would just put five, you know, we would, we would divide our team up into two equal five man roster rotation. And we would put one say, okay, now you're playing a two three zone. And we would run just, one possession down, referee handle, or inbound, you know, whatever, and really not get into any transition because I I really don't want them to get in the habit of just running back and playing defense. But let's just work on our offense. Okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, they're playing two-three zone. They're playing a one-three-one. They're playing man-to-man. And just have them work some scout. Now, when we scrimmage, both teams were playing our way. You know, uh, it was more important for me to have – our defenders know where to go. Again, made shot, missed shot, press, getting that, you know, offense to defense transition and defense to offense transition. More practice doing that. Uh, so, our our scrimmages didn't look like your typical typical scrimmages, probably, because both teams are playing systems. So it's again very helter skelter, and, and I think that helps helps develop our offensive players getting ready for the pace we want to play at. You know, I think if you're constantly playing against a team that's playing half court defense, it's easy to think, okay, we're going to walk the ball up and do this. And if if we're scrimmaging against a team who's pressing us, we can't do that. We have to be ready to play with pace. We have to be ready to make that pass, make that dribble, make that layup at speed and you know, I don't know if it's the best thing or not, but that's just how we do it. And, and it seemed to, it
0: seemed to work so far. Last question I have for you. What's the hardest part to teach about the system?
1: I, th- I would think most people would say, and I agree the missed shot press, you know, a lot of times, you know, players are taught when a shot goes up, uh, you know, even now offensive rebounding is a less of an emphasis. And as you mentioned we want to send at least four to the glass. Sometimes even five, if if we can. Uh, it's it's understanding that as soon as your shot goes up and we do not get the rebound, you've got to find somebody to guard. You know, we've got to have our on-ball defender find the find the rebounder, guard him. Everyone else needs to guard somebody. Have to have our trailer back in the what we call the safety position, and ready to again. All out pursuit for the ball—it never ends. That, I think that's the hardest—the hardest thing to teach is, you know, that, that transition from offense to defense, particularly after you've missed a shot. Okay, how do we, how do we turn these guys over immediately after we've taken a shot? And I'll be honest, at middle school level, haven't had a lot of success with the missed shot press. I would say probably in three years, we probably had less than five times we've had maybe a 10 second violation or something like that after miss shot press at the high school level we were a little better at it i think it's just maybe harder for the younger players to kind of grasp that concept of okay i was just trying to score now i've got to immediately be on defense and ready to get the ball back um, but i like you know like your analogy and that analogy i tried to make of just think it's the end of the game you know for whatever reason our players never have a heart, never have a problem turning that desperation on at the end of a game. You know, I think uh, I might have sent you a video of our game. We were down 10 points with a minute five to go and came back and forced overtime. Now we end up losing in overtime, but I told all of our players, I mean, that's how we need to play from the opening. You know, this year we didn't have a jump ball. We just had a alternating possession, but uh, that's how we need to play from the start. You know, that how we played that last one minute and four seconds or however long it was, that's how we have to play the whole game. And if we could ever – if you could ever get that, then I think you're, you're where you want to be uh, for sure. And I've yet to, to get it consistently. Uh, certainly, I think we had it. And I think I mentioned our championship game. We had that mentality. We came out from the first, you know, possession. We, we ran a little action. We got the ball first with we the visiting team. We ran action for our best three-point shooter. I told the, our players in the huddle, I said, okay, he's going to make this three-pointer. Once he makes this three, we've got a lead. We've got a guard. And sure enough, our action, he got an open three, made it. We got to our press, got a steal, made a left. We were up five nothing after about 18 seconds. And I think that kind of carried over uh, the rest of the game. They kind of, you know, almost like sharks with blood in the water. They, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And, um, uh, again, we didn't do it. That was probably the only time all year we did it from the start, but we, we got it one time at least.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining me. Appreciate getting to know you over the last year and just keep doing what you're doing. You're an inspiration to a lot of younger coaches, high school coaches, and, and your passion for the system is awesome, and I enjoyed you coming on.
1: Well, thanks, Mark, and thanks for all you've done for the system. You know, it's hard to believe it's only been a year. It seems like we've been doing this for forever. seems like I've known you forever, but, uh, <laughs> but thank you so much for what you're doing to get us out there, and uh, it's a beautiful way to play, man. We love
0: it. Alright man, thanks a lot and have a good one. You too. Thanks coach for joining us on this episode of the Basketballopedia podcast with coach Keith Parsons. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the system from a junior high coach and high school coach who have ran it at both levels. If you'd like to get more information on the system, join our mailing list so that you can get invited to our future clinics on the system. Thanks again and hope to, hope to have you on our next episode of the Basquepedia podcast.